welcome back, everyone. Yeah, welcome back. Hello UX is a user-focused podcast aimed to help those pivoting into UX design. We're here to empower designers and help those transitioning into the UX field by providing education, resources, and a platform to talk about their experiences. Come because you're curious. Stay to be empowered. Thank you for joining us for season three, Different Paths, One User Experience, episode two. We're bringing you UX writing, a conversation with Andrew Ma. We are bringing this to you as part of a request that someone suggested. And so we're very happy and very excited when we were able to interview Andrew Ma. It was great to listen to Andrew and have a conversation with him. And I learned so much and just getting a, a perspective into what UX writing is. Right. I'm there too. And I'm sure our Helodis also are in the same place we are. So it's good to be able to bring this insightful segment today. Absolutely. We're excited to bring this to you. So strap in and take a listen. Today we have a very special guest, Ma, UX writer. And Andrew is a self-described English nerd who cross-pollinated his literacy passions with technology and design. He had a UX design role before nestling into content design. He is currently a UX writer for American Express and is part of a mobile app design team. He is a co-founder of Campwa Designs, a design agency focused on connecting entrepreneurs, businesses with their communities. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you. It's lovely to be here today. Yay, we're very excited. So UX writing is a topic that was asked by our audience that they wanted to know more about. So we're very excited that you're here to talk to us about it. And with that, I would like to ask you, can you walk us through your journey into UX design and then how you ended up your focus in UX writing? Yeah, I'd love to. So I think my path into UX design is very similar to a lot of my peers, uh, especially people of, I guess, of my age. Uh, there wasn't a lot of design programs back in the day. So a lot of people came from a variety of different backgrounds. And I definitely can count myself in that. I graduated with a psychology degree and I originally had aspirations to go to law school. And that, that didn't quite pan out uh, because just becoming more exposed to everything, studying for LSATs really told me that wasn't really what I was looking for. And thankfully around that time, I was talking to my cousin who works in tech and he said, hey, you, you love psych, I mean, you have a psych background, you've always loved technology and you seem to have, have at least a decent eye for design. There's this new field that you should probably check out. And that's how I became introduced to the world of UX design. And through a mixture of doing some self-teaching from resources online and books into UX design, and even taking an extension course through UCLA, I found myself very interested in this field. And so with a lot of just uh, perseverance, I was fortunate enough to know someone who helped me get my first job as a UX designer at a startup. And it was just incredible. I, I didn't realize... I could get paid to do the work that I was doing. Just like thinking about the kind of research into the users and then putting those thoughts onto paper and then into digital wireframes, it just felt too good to be true. And I'm so glad that it's just skyrocketed in terms of the importance in a lot of companies. And the longer I was 
involved in UX design, I, I realized there were definitely some aspects of it that I enjoyed more than the others. And namely, the two parts that I was most interested in were in the UX research, which I attribute to my psychology background, particularly social psych, and my love for writing, which is something that has been a long-term passion of mine. I've always been a huge English nerd since middle school, at least. And I never knew if I could do anything with that because, you know, when you're in, when you're in college, you're like, English, what am I going to... I'm not going to be writing any novels. Right. So, you know, how am I going to pay the bills afterwards and not scare my parents into thinking yeah. it's going to be... I'm going to be struggling for a while. <laughs> And thankfully, around the time that I was having those explorations, UX writing or content design, as I uh, more affectionately prefer the term, became much more recognized as a need for companies. And so it was just a really good timing for me to start exploring something a little bit more specific that I wanted to work on. And at around that same time, I decided to enroll in the Bachelor's Program for Interaction Design at Santa Monica College in Los Angeles. And it's amazing, first of all, that community colleges now can give you that four-year degree at a fraction of the cost. And it reaches such a wide variety of different candidates and people in your cohort because I was meeting people in their teens all the way into their 30s and they came from all walks of life, which is exactly what you would expect and want for people trying to get into UX design. And for me, that was a great chance to immerse myself back in a more you know, a classroom setting because I feel that that was something that I really wanted for my own education and surround myself with peers that could challenge me creatively in a way that I hadn't had before. And I was just excited to be in a classroom again. And then, of course, one semester in pandemic. And so the rest of it was online teaching again but mm -hmm. we we had bonded in that first semester we persevered and in the projects that we did together I found myself focusing more and more on doing the content design I would fulfill that role in, in whatever group projects we had and I mean I can't speak more highly of the program itself they are taught by just amazing professors that have gone to or taught at Art Center in LA they worked at big companies like Riot and uh, JPL and whatnot, and every cohort gets partnered with two major companies to help them out with a design project for like the entire semester. So we got to work with Activision, Call of Duty stuff, and then um, we partnered with IDEO, which is a, a really large design agency up in San Francisco, mm -hmm. and we helped them with serving like lower-income students who were trying to get into figure out a way into college and whatnot afterwards. And so by the end of the program, I knew for sure I wanted to go into content design. And so I started applying. I'd done some like volunteer work so that I could bolster my portfolio. And I was just fortunate enough to find some amazing opportunities that were willing to take a risk to even interview me. And as luck would have it, I happened to find the posting for Amex, American Express. And they were looking for somebody to join their mobile team. And after a, a few rounds of interviews, I really loved the people that I talked to and thankfully they saw something in me. And it's just been an amazing, almost a year now working with That's them. Awesome. That is yeah. awesome. That's fantastic. Now you said you 
prefer UX a content designer versus mm-hmm. UX writer. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, of course. I mean, for a lot of companies, these names are interchangeable. Mm-hmm. But I think the reason that I prefer the term content designer is I think it puts into perspective the scope of what we do. I think that sometimes when people think of UX writing, they think of it just as people who do you know, what we call microcopy, the, the, mm-hmm. the little things on the screen, the words. Right. And I think that gives the wrong impression for some people that we're just there to fill in those little uh, spots with just whatever words. You know, they, they think of us sometimes too much as copywriters. And while right, that is, a, right, that, that it's, a, it's a big part of what we do, of course. But we are essentially designers that just happen to work with content as opposed to with the wireframes and the, the more high fidelity graphic work. Mm-hmm. And so because my work involves me having to dig really deep into whatever research we've done, sometimes even being involved in creating like the research briefs. And uh, especially at Amex, they are very much appreciative and understanding of UX writers working alongside the designers and the researchers. And often, early early and often, I would call it, where I'm going to be in the brainstorming sessions very early with them as we create um, plans and mock-ups and sketches in like mural boards online. And so I'm heavily involved in things like the information architecture. I can make suggestions in terms of like how, where should the logic flow be for this particular journey? And it's, it's helpful for all of us because I get to have an overall view of end-to-end experience and I can help them with their work as well because sometimes we can solve for problems way before they start making like the higher fidelity things. Mm-hmm. Eliminate like screens. We can make things right. just so much more digestible. Mm-hmm. And so they, it's, a, it's less work for them in the long run too. And we, we each have our expertise and that's how a multidisciplinary team is the key to any company's success. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And also, how do you think your psychology degree informs what you do day-to-day? Well, I, I like to think that it has provided me some extra level of empathy, just knowing this, especially since I focus more on social psychology right. and just being able to understand and appreciate all the different potential backgrounds that might, well, I don't like using the word users, but the people that I designed <laughs> for, right? Uh, what they might be going through and just because, you know, when you're in it long enough, you kind of sometimes lose perspective. You're using a lot of internal terms, like these things make sense to you only. Mm-hmm. And I think having that psychology background is, it's a good reminder that at the end of the day, we're focused on a human-centered approach to the design to solve whatever problems they might be facing. And I like to think that it's, it's, it's a good background. It's a broad enough subject that it can apply to so many different aspects of life. Absolutely. And it gives you uh, maybe a little more empathy because you, you have that base understanding of remembering we're doing this for human beings, not to give a persona or that was mm-hmm. made up by who knows who or just kind of that blanketed term, customers or users. That's great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Does having also this psychology background also help you in the sense of when you have to go back to stakeholders and kind of give them more of an insight of 
what you're finding out from your users. Yeah, I, I believe so. In in a lot of ways, one thing I like to always remind myself is that we're not just designing for the people who will be on the other end or on the other side of the application or the website. We have to make something that is understandable to even the people within our own teams that are on, you know, if they're product people or researchers or marketing. Because if the people internal to our company don't understand why we've made the decisions we've made, then we're going to have face a lot of problems before we can even get to the point of shipping out to an MVP. And I think that understanding that approach makes it much easier to be able to communicate and understand where those other teams are coming from because they come from different backgrounds. They have their own priorities and agendas. They're doing their job. And it's up to us to advocate for our users, our, our people that we're designing for. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we have to balance the needs of everything else because you know we would not be here if it wasn't for product and business and marketing. They help to make this company run. Right. Without them, there's no money to create these <laughs> things that you know right. the, users, yeah. the people need. So being able to understand what their priorities are and knowing how to speak to them about whatever we've come up with can be helpful to them and really listening to the things that they're asking for. How can we find a happy middle ground that we can give something from each of our teams mm -hmm. into the heart of this project so that we can deliver something that we can all be proud of and that we can ship to a happy customer, happy user. I think that is probably the most important aspect of it all. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's always finding that balance where everyone is heard and that's kind of when the best ideas come out. There's a good flow, good communication, collaboration. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So can you walk us through your process of content design and how it's similar to the actual UX process of designing the screens and, you know, that kind of thing? How do they... How do they merge together and where are the similarities and where are the differences? Yeah, yeah. Like I mentioned a little bit before, sometimes I'm fortunate I get to jump into a project very early on at the beginning. And so we'll be in the meetings with design and engineers and product and we all lay out our agendas. We get on like confluence pages and air tables and just figure out what are we delivering? What are we solving for? And like figuring out how are we going to approach this? Like what kind of things, what kind of requirements do we need? And so there's a lot of discovery process for, you know, weeks sometimes mm -hmm. as we try to make sure that we have everything we need before we, you know, get down into the design process. And so that's a lot of brainstorming together. So in that sense, it's very similar to UX design because I'm working alongside the designers to map out everything that we need. You know, there's just huge mirror boards, of just right. competitors projects. <laughs> and like, what, are, what do we have? What do we have that's like either being upgraded or something that's a similar thing? Because we have to make sure that the experience is consistent throughout all the various products under our umbrella. Mm -hmm. And so it's just putting all these pieces on the table and then slowly like figuring out like, what what do we value? What do we need here? How can we make sure that whatever we've created, it makes the most sense to fit 
whatever we're trying to solve for and that stays on brand for the company. And then from there, we tackle things with the designer. What is it going to look like? You know, what? how are we going to have them like go through their journey? Like we try to like anticipate the user journey throughout even before we get to the screens because what are we, how are they going to be wanting to solve this problem and how can whatever we design, how can it fit into their lives so that it doesn't, you know, we don't want them to take unnecessary extra steps beyond what, you know, we have to present to them. And my designers are just some most talented people I know and they create these just amazing, like they know all the various components and ways of interactions and stuff and they they put it all out there. They like make lots of different versions and then we, we go through them, we figure out like, what does this make sense to them? Does this, is this the fastest way they can get through there? Are, is there information that we're forgotten to present to them? And then from there, you know, this is where my input also comes in. Like, how are we gonna break up this information that makes the most sense to them? You know, that'll affect how many screens there are. How is it laid out? And then especially for a company like, like Amex, there are definitely a lot more things to consider in terms of liability and legal things because Absolutely. banking, credit cards, these things are very sensitive, especially, you know, fintech is just, mm-hmm. it is very complicated on that aspect. So we have to make sure that we have created things that still make us uh, compliant with you know, federal regulation in terms of like, we have to know these disclaimers about fees or you know other deadlines and whatnot so we have to make sure that we incorporate all these things along the way and then we gradually create things and then discuss with like weekly stand-ups with product engineers and our design managers and we all collectively just like go along this journey together we're constantly evolving our process and what we try to do more now is to bring some of the other stakeholders in a little bit earlier. We try to bring some of our preliminary ideas to compliance a little bit earlier to see like, we were thinking this, what do you think of this? And then that way they can give a little bit of feedback instead of just waiting to the end to deliver. That that can be problematic sometimes because, you know, we we won't have thought of everything because they are subject matter experts on that stuff. Exactly, exactly. So this saves everybody a lot of time. Saves the company money that way, so we can ship things on time. But yeah, so in that sense, it's it's sometimes very hard to distinguish between my role and designers. They're obviously much more visually inclined in terms of what they deliver, but we collaborate so closely where we are happy to provide insight. I will provide insight in terms of visual hierarchy and sometimes even like what it might look like, and they will, from their experience offer their insights in terms of what maybe wording is best, how the titles might be beneficial to do it in this way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a it's just a mutual respect that we we don't have our distinct lanes. They're just going mm-hmm. to cross. But that's the beauty of being on a team like that. Because yeah. you just constantly learn from each other. You know, we don't we set aside our you know any kind of ego because this is just we realize that we're all working together for the same thing at the end of the day oh mm-hmm. yeah, yeah that's a should be that sounds amazing <laughs> i experienced that myself at work and it's a great feeling and just being being able to share ideas without you know thinking about yourself just think about what's best for who this is for in the end yes exactly so i had a quick question there mm-hmm. so as far as when we're talking deliverables mm-hmm 
am I understanding correctly? Is this kind of a shared deliverable? You and the other designers have access to the same assets. And so you're able to go in there and each one of you will focus on your area. Yeah. So pretty much always deliverables will be the same. Okay. Uh, that was something that I think sometimes people misunderstand. They're like, oh, I just need, you know, maybe just an error, error copy. Um, but from, from my end, it's definitely so much more insightful to open that design file mm -hmm. and do my explorations in there. Because as much as I might start my first drafts on notes or Word or whatever processor I'm using, you don't really get a full sense of context until you put it right. on a screen, especially on mobile where real estate is so limited. Right. Right. So we have to figure like, okay, this title is going to be too long or this body copy seems fine on an eight and a half by 11 Word document. But like on a screen, it, it starts to get a little long. So we have to figure out from looking at it now, okay, how can we make this a more succinct? Because... Mm -hmm. People just want to problem solve. They, they want to read a lot. They just want to find out what's going on and what can I do about it. So mm -hmm. at the end of the day, these the deliverables will just, we hand them all off together because okay. we'll, we'll be working on the same thing. That's great. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, I was just wondering, you know, and I'm trying to be as, um, as Michael Scott would say from the office, like, explain it to me as if I'm a five-year-old. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I've, I'm afraid I might have uh, not done that justice. But <laughs> no, no, that's great. <laughs> no, it's fantastic. Okay, now we'll come to a break and we'll hear a word from a sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everyone. We'll continue our conversation with our guest, Andrew Ma. I want to go ahead and ask about Capwa Designs. Did I pronounce that correctly, Capwa? Yes, yes, you did. Okay, awesome. And can you talk to us, how did it get started? And is this like a passion of yours that keeps you motivated? Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad we're talking about it. So Capo Designs came out of this shared vision between me and two of my classmates in my cohort at Santa Monica College. And my dear, dear friends, Ryan and Ralph, we became very close during our time together. And we worked on a number of projects together while we were students. And there's always been a sense of you know entrepreneurial spirits that we all share and so we just decided you know we what if we just do something for ourselves like we, we'd still be working you know a, a more traditional full-time job 
how can we exercise our creative juices elsewhere? How do we, one of the things that, one of the values that got instilled to us very strongly in the program was how to use design to affect change in our communities. Our professors very much believed in that. And that was something that we also took to heart. And so we focused a lot on just, sometimes it was just pet projects, but sometimes it was just volunteer things that, how can we help local or small businesses? That is the goal anyway, to help out them with their designs. How can we help them with their branding? Because like my, my friend Brian is uh, particularly good at that stuff. How can we shape how companies portray themselves in such a saturated internet market nowadays to mm -hmm. really compete? You know, there's a lot of things you got to know about how to present yourself online, SEO and whatnot. And we all have our individual expertise. And especially in the time of pandemic, mm -hmm. having an internet presence went from something that was just a luxury for small business to being a necessity for them to just stay alive. Mm -hmm. And so well, that was the intention behind us founding this. The name Kapwa comes from a Filipino word for togetherness or community. And I, we felt that that very much encapsulated the mission that we were embarking on when we you know, formed this little like ragtag startup creative agency team. So the hope is that this is a way for us to be able to make an impact with the knowledge that we've gained. You know, we're fortunate to have been accepted into and graduated from such a such an amazing design program and how can we help share what we know and help others that is awesome and what kind of organizations you don't need to say their name but can you just give us an example of what kind of organization you have partnered with to be able to help and what degree were you able to help them advising things like e-commerce that was a skill that we really explored into because a lot of companies now embarking on using Shopify that's made it significantly easier for small businesses to launch their own platforms it, it's already a huge difference from using Squarespace not just not many years ago so just help them understand uh, how best to use these tools that they have like themes how do we arrange things how do we want to portray ourselves and obviously I, I'm there to help with like content and how best to frame themselves. We don't have like a set target in terms mm -hmm. of types of companies, mm -hmm. but I, I think it's definitely something more on the uh, smaller local businesses that could use this helping. Right, right. Well, that is awesome. And how do they find you? Do you find them? How do you spread the word that you're out there willing to help? We are working on how to market us better in terms of the various platforms but we've been fortunate that there have been people that have reached out or have referred us to mm -hmm. organizations that you know just need a little bit of help and we just go and advise whatever we can build our portfolio and just get, gain our experiences you know it's been obviously a lot of learning experiences as we go along the way, but we find everything to be such powerful and enlightening part of our own discoveries about what challenges we face next and how we will be more prepared for every other project that comes after. So. That's fantastic. And mm -hmm. do you think that informs what you do 
with Amex? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think every experience is valuable experience and it's even very different in terms of helping a very large company to these smaller companies. But at the end of the day, the customers on the other end are all still the same people. And so just being able to understand on these, the larger and smaller scale, I think it helps me figure out like, how can we best put ourselves in the mindsets of these customers? So there's just a lot of things that we, we definitely learn from uh, working across different kinds of like clients. That's awesome. I've asked a lot of my friends, you know, as I was coming through this process of getting into UX, what kind of advice would you give someone going into UX writing, content design? I would say just there's a lot of reading out there, especially if you're going to be doing writing. Definitely the more you read, the more it's going to impact what you can deliver. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of resources out there. For example, a book that I I, I particularly enjoy is called Content Design by Sarah Richards. I thought that was a very helpful book in terms of laying out a lot of different scenarios and just kind of illuminating like some of the day-to-day -day work and just mental processes involved in content design. Mm -hmm. I would say when I was starting out, there was also this blog called Prose Kiln that was founded by someone that I was fortunate enough to get to know better. Melanie Siebert, she's currently you know, at Indeed. She's been very inspirational and just like very forward thinking in terms of how she views content and its role. I think uh, she came from, I think, a content strategy kind of background. Okay. I think that's also something that is worth digging a little bit into mm -hmm. if you want to get into content design because there's just so much depth in terms of like figuring out understanding how all these pieces work together I find there's definitely a lot of my peers across a lot of other companies that come from this background they come from content strategy backgrounds or copywriting backgrounds not to say that you can't come in from another field because that's the beauty of UX but definitely just having that drive to self-educate yourself is I think probably the most essential I think that a lot of people also do I think it's called daily UX writing challenge I think it's maybe 15 days and that focuses more on microcopy where they present you a daily scenario and then you try to come up with something within whatever character confines that they present there's even, there's a whole Facebook group as well where you can join and you can share designs and you get feedback from other people who are going through the same thing as you are. I felt that was a, that was a good community to, you know, kind of just test the waters and try to hear from other people, whether or not they were working in that field already. I think you just want feedback from everyone to see what really sticks to people. What is the tone that's coming across? I think that is such a great way to just start honing your skills in terms of how you can present yourself in a very small amount, because especially since I think it focuses more on mobile fighting, okay. I think that is definitely something that is probably part of the most challenging part, being able to do it in such a small uh, screen. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, you said, you mentioned that um, you find that some of the most successful are people are come from a strategy background. Do you think any other roles um, 
previous backgrounds kind of lean themselves more towards the people who will be successful in writing or it doesn't matter, come one, come all. I wouldn't say there's necessarily any particular role go into it that is more likely to succeed. I, I guess the only reason strategy might be have a little edge is because they would might already be doing some of the work anyway, in the same vein that when UX design was becoming much more prevalent five, six years ago, these were people who maybe came from business or graphic design, and they were already doing this work without the title. So it just was a natural shift. Uh, I mean, a lot of my peers are also from like copywriting backgrounds and they were doing things in like the news space or like other social media and whatnot. So they were already crafting with content. It was just a matter of like redirecting it for this specific purpose. Mm -hmm. Being able to educate in terms of, we're not just like writing like obviously not long form anymore, you know, because sometimes that's what copywriting was for. Or if they were doing like marketing copy, you know, that, that had a particular guideline in terms of you're trying to s- sell them on something, you know, which is, you know, it's, fu- it's still fun. And for it some companies different. that work, yeah, it works really well if you if that's what your brand is trying to go for. So right. that's going to affect how you interact with the user. But I would say the biggest uh, shift would be company design is more about having a conversation with the people you're designing for. It's no longer just writing it and then just basically shouting it out to an audience. Now you're trying to create this interaction between them, this dialogue. I think that's part of what's beautiful about it because it is just a constantly evolving process. It's very iterative. So you're always, as writers, we always struggle with like, oh, this is, I can always write this better. And just write draft after draft after draft and then just never being satisfied. You, We learn to not think that way. It's, you, you get to a point and it, does it get your goal across? You, and then you test it with the people. And I think that's probably the, the biggest change. You, you actually put it in front of a live audience and users will react to it one way or the other. And that's how you know and you're doing it right. I think that's just a, a big part of it. I think people who have come to me asking about my experiences, they're interested in how they might help themselves become much more competitive. Particularly with like making portfolios and whatnot. Right. You know, if if they didn't come from a UX design background, I think it's not essential, but I think it is definitely very beneficial for them to just to go and dive a little bit into the UX design process. You know, whether that's the Google has a free trial, you know, for the UX design or any number of books or resources out there, medium articles about it. Just being familiar with the way the design process works will make a world of difference in terms of preparing them for the day-to-day work and being able to shape the portfolio and the writing samples to help the recruiters and the hiring managers and future teammates to understand that you understand how you're going to fit in in terms of what role you'll be playing with us. You know, it's because it's much more than just about the writing. You mm-hmm. having that fundamental background of knowing just all these little like intricacies of the design process just makes you a much more competitive candidate because you'll be hitting the ground running. So, and you'll feel much more comfortable in that kind of setting. Absolutely. And I also love that you said that it's a, it's a dialogue because our customers always interacting with our products. So mm-hmm. it is a conversation. I never really thought about that that way. Mm-hmm. It is a dialogue back and forth. And, you know, the way we get feedback from them that informs our next decisions. What are we going to say next? So, mm-hmm. I really enjoy that. 
Yeah, and thank you for following up on, I actually, that was going to be one of my questions. How does someone highlight this in their portfolio? Mm. And so thank you for, <laughs> yeah, covering that because I know that uh, would be important for me to be able to demonstrate to others right. that I can do this. Awesome. So and now at the fun part of our interview, where we're going to give you a fun question. And this just was all so fun. Could, like yes, the yeah. oh, these silly, like, oh, silly. Silly. No, no more go. business. We're going to get a little silly. Silly. Little silly. A silly, silly question. Okay. And this is just to give our hellodies a feel for your personality. And so our fun question is, if your favorite color had a smell, what would it be? And don't tell us the color. Yeah. Oh, yeah. are you nice. are you guessing the color? Oh, yes. Well, I, I would like to guess the color. Okay. <laughs> Ooh. My favorite color had a smell. What would it be? Uh, I don't know how many people can relate to this, but it's... I don't even know if this would even lead you to the color, but definitely okay. one of my favorite <laughs> smells would be when you open, like, a, a fresh new book or, like, a new board game. It's that smell of, like, fresh paper it's just there's something about it that's just yes. maybe it's a childhood mm. thing when you're like opening a new like toy or something i was a very uh, a bookworm so like a new hardcover or paperback it has that kind of like smell oh, but i don't I, know how you're gonna guess i don't know how i'm gonna guess that, that color i uh worked in the library when i was in high school so mm -hmm. i know exactly what you're talking about just not just the new books but the older books and the stuff and mm. the stacks oh my god i love okay, that angelina <laughs> okay um, let's hold go. on hold on hold on let's let you shout yours not, not shout it but you say yours and i'll say mine let's see okay. okay but at the same time that way we'll see if we came upon in our own conclusions one two three Brown. yellow <laughs> uh, I mean, I feel like I've misled you because of, you know, I've, I've set this mental picture of like books and libraries, you know, all sides door. Those are those are colors that I associate with them as well. Um, but unfortunately, my favorite color is it, it's it's purple. So it's oh, there's no way that those wow. paper would have led to that. Main imagination. I always think of purple as imagination. Oh, okay. I don't know yes. why. I think it's just, purple's just an amazing color. It's something that I came to late in life, and I, it sounds really silly to talk about it like that, as if it's some sort of hobby or like... You know. <laughs> <laughs> I came to purple late in life. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, you had like, uh, in, in high school, you, you know, you, you wanted to fit in more, so you wore the same colors, black, gray, like more neutral colors, and then just somewhere down the line, I just, like, purple looks great like then there's so many different variations along that spectrum like maroon and burgundy and i mean no crimson is not one but just like it's just more fascinating so that has nothing to do with anything it's just um but it's well, just it's just a great color that. so yeah <laughs> well that answers my second question i was going to follow up with um if it could make a sound hitting a wall mm -hmm. what would it be but a book hitting the wall <laughs> you know that's a pretty distinctive sound oh that's a sad sound that means like no, i'm like I know that's frustrated i'm tired of reading these thousands of pages i'm just not done. necessarily or you could just be so engrossed in it you're like mad at what's happening you like throw it and then you're like oh, okay, back to it like you okay. just get so passionate about it mm, okay okay that could yeah. be it too Andrew, thank you so much for coming to Hello UX Podcast. We really appreciate 
having you and being able to let a Helotis um, distinguish a UX writer does in the role of UX design. We really appreciate it. We know it's something that they asked for. <laughs> I, I, I hope so. Yeah, I, I always love talking about the work that I do. I'm so fortunate to be able to do what I do. And I feel that every person that I've met in my field has just, it feels like finding people like me, the community, you know, it's, it's just being able to write, even if it's just messages on Slack, that's, you know, mm -hmm. just the, the sheer wit that they have and the affinity for puns and whatnot. Like we're just English dorks together and it's, <laughs> it's delightful. I love so, it. I, love you know, it. <laughs> I encourage anybody who is, you know, considering it to, you know, explore it and see if like maybe this is something you want to try doing. So nice. Fantastic. Well, Andrew, could you tell us where our Helotus could find you on the socials? Uh, I'm not super big on socials, but if they are curious about learning more, if they have questions, uh, I'm, they can find me on LinkedIn. Just send a message, tell me you know, where you're coming from, and you know, I'd be happy to you know answer answer the questions. You know. Awesome. Yeah. awesome. Thank you so much. This has been yes. fantastic. Thank yeah. you. Thank you very much. Angelina, I was so glad to have Andrew Ma talk to us about UX writing. I felt like there were so many things that I learned myself about it. Before speaking with him, I wasn't so sure how UX writing kind of worked into the whole UX process. And it was very helpful for him to be able to kind of point out how a UX writer comes along and helps to make a better user experience. Yeah, and it was also great to learn how similar the process is and how involved everyone gets with each other. It's just, it's a great collaborative environment and just learning that, you know, I like his take on its content design, not just UX writing, um, because it encompasses so many more things and it's more holistic. And I also love that he has a psychology background. So it shows that anyone can come and do this kind of work. Your background enriches what you're doing today. So it's a great thing, an encouraging thing to hear that it doesn't really matter what kind of background you have. It will inform what you're doing because everything that you're doing moving forward, just like in life, it just it applies to your career. So I thought that was amazing. Absolutely. And I guess added bonus was that he is self-proclaimed English nerd. So I'm sure that falls into wanting to know more about language. And I, I feel the whole experience is that you put yourself out there and that you just try it. Exactly. And there's like you, you mentioned, there's so many resources out there that are free that you can just start getting into content design, content strategists, even like you mentioned, that is helpful. So kind of knowing a little bit of all those disciplines will help you build a career out of this. Right, right. So hello, Dees. Just go out there and find the resources and just start doing it. Well, this wraps up episode two of season three. Different paths, one user experience, where we'll bring in different experts from various roles that contribute to the user experience. 
Before we leave you, we would like to invite you to like us and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Check out our YouTube channel and don't forget to subscribe. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast available on all major streaming platforms. If you would like for us to cover a specific topic or you're just dying to give us feedback, send us a message via our social media channels or send us an email to info at hellox.design. I'll repeat, info at hellox.design. Hey, do you like what you hear? Then show us some love by becoming a sustainer. Simply go to anchor.fm slash hello UX and click on the support button. This will allow us to continue to bring you great content that you're looking for and treat us to a cafecito and receive a special shout out on a future episode. And now a shout out to our sponsor, Overflow Digital. Overflow Digital, a digital agency specializing in all your professional website needs. We aim to create dynamic websites that will positively impact your business, meeting you at the crossroads of data, design, marcom, and UX. Before we leave, we would like to leave you with this quote. Our doubts are traitors and make us lose the good we off my win by fearing to attend by William Shakespeare. I hope this speaks into those of you that are looking to the path of becoming UX writers and you felt very inspired by Andrew Ma and what he had to share about UX writing. Well, thank you, Helodis, for joining us. This has been Angelina. And Jasmine. Hasta, Hasta la, la próxima. próxima.